it was a light bulb moment in many, many ways. I came out of the hospital with a sense of almost rebirth because I realized that I could have died and that you know, 50 or 100 years before that, I would have died. There were no antibiotics back then. So it left me with humility. It left me with purpose. It left me with an excitement about my future. This is Meaningful Medicine. In a challenging and unpredictable world with high burnout rates, this is a podcast where incredible individuals share their most meaningful patient experiences and focus on those moments of positivity and joy that sparked their love of healthcare and changed the way they practice medicine. Hi, I'm Nicole Hohenstein, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at UCSF. Hi, I'm Shiva Kayambashi. I'm a doctor and professor of family and community medicine at UCSF. We're the co-hosts of Meaningful Medicine. We created this podcast to highlight stories of healthcare professionals who have found a sense of meaning, resilience, and joy in their work. Hi, Nicole. It's good to see you today. Hey, Shiva. How are you doing? Doing well. Really excited about today's podcast. So, Shiva, today we are going to be discussing an important topic that I think isn't talked about quite enough, and this is the experience of actually deciding to switch your residency specialty in the middle of residency. And on this topic, I'd love to hear, you've been working as a family medicine doctor for multiple years. I'm obviously not going to reveal quite the number of years, but I'm really curious on how you decided originally to choose family medicine. Oh, thanks for asking, Nicole. Yeah, I, I actually teach a lot of medical students, and I'm always curious how people are processing and thinking about their decisions, too. And for myself, when I started medical school, I thought I'd be a pediatrician. I just sort of had this vague idea. And then as I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, I want to make this point, until late in my third year, after I had already tried the different rotations in surgery and internal medicine and OBGYN and I just liked everything. And then I did a rotation in family medicine. And that's when I just, the aha moment was when I did a rotation and I learned that family medicine was so inclusive that I didn't have to not be able to take care of an adult if I'm a pediatrician or a child if I'm an adult medicine doctor or women. So I just really loved the inclusiveness. And I loved the attitude and philosophy of family medicine, taking care of the whole person and the whole family and community, the context of the whole person as a whole being. So I really found the light for myself. I just sort of got that aha moment late in in my education as a third year. Nicole, I want to ask you, what made you decide on emergency medicine? When did you decide? And how did you decide? Yeah, so as you know, we've talked about, I'm in the midst of applying to residency, match day is coming up and I've decided emergency medicine. And funny enough, actually emergency medicine was the reason I got into medicine in the first place. Volunteering in the ED in high school really sparked my interest. And then working as an EMT in college really solidified that that was a moment in time where I enjoyed working with patients. And then Just similar to you, I love that you treat babies all the way up to geriatric patients. You see men and women. You do a lot of combination of procedures and medical diagnoses. And 
there was just so many different reasons, but it definitely was one of those things where going into medical school, I knew I had an interest in emergency medicine. And although I flirted with other specialties, I always really found my way back to find that emergency medicine really was the place that I felt most at home. Yeah, I love hearing that story. I love hearing everybody's story about how they got to where they are. And you and I are both interested in people's stories. And today we're going to get some light from a very wonderful speaker, David Elkin, who is a psychiatrist and a clinician instructor at San Francisco General Hospital at UCSF. And he's a dear friend of mine. He's going to talk with us about how he found his path from internal medicine initially, which was the the residency he chose, into changing to psychiatry. And he's gonna talk about what factors influenced his decision to change medical specialties. So we're excited to talk to him and to shed some light on the idea that you can change specialties and it's not the end of the world, it might even be the beginning of the world. So welcome, David. We're so happy to have you here today. Thanks, Shiva, it's nice to be here. David, you're one of the producers of this podcast, and it's so nice today to take you from behind the scenes in our planning for the podcast and to get to introduce you on the podcast. Very happy to have you. Welcome. We like to start out each episode by asking our guests to, in short, share a meaningful moment from sometime early in your life that was a particularly formative experience. Could you share something with us? Yes. I had a very formative, but very scary experience when I was a sophomore in undergraduate. And I was studying biochemistry. I was on track thinking about PhD versus medical school. I wasn't really sure. I mean, my path at that point was not clear. It had been clear. I was gonna go into biochemistry, but it was also really vague. And then as a sophomore, I was really trying to hit my stride and not doing that great in college. And I suddenly got very ill. I had an infection. It started out as a very small pimple on my upper lip, but it turned into a really nasty and life-threatening cellulitis. So a really bad and fast advancing infection on my skin that started to involve the right side of my face. I went into student health. They saw me. They reassured me. They sent me home without antibiotics. My friends marched me back the next day because I looked really ill and my face was starting to blow up on that side. And the head of the the clinic actually came out to see me because my friends were so alarmed. And he said, you know, just come back on Thursday, come back in a couple of days. We'll take a look at it then. No antibiotics. Fortunately, I had a friend whose dad was an internist. He heard me talking and he got me seen the next day by an infectious disease specialist. And I was immediately admitted to the hospital, like from his office. And I spent five days in the hospital, you know, where in Philadelphia, where I received IV antibiotics and I was quite ill, but the antibiotics worked and I was able to leave without any kind of surgery. But I had experiences there that were both good and bad. The nurses took great care of me. I was on my own a lot. I had a lot of time to think. The doctors were capable and competent, but not terribly good at their bedside manner. And I had people treating me sometimes like I was just a slab of, you know, some sort of organic matter. And they didn't really connect with me about how I was doing. They didn't really explain what was going on. And I thought to myself, you know, I could actually do this. I think I could be 
a better doctrine. I could bring the science part, which I have a background in, but I could also combine it with the humanity. I could be really empathic towards my patient. And it was, it was a light bulb moment in many, many ways. I came out of the hospital with a sense of almost rebirth because I realized that I could have died and that, you know, 50 or hundred years before that I would have died. There were no antibiotics back then. So it left me with humility. It left me with purpose. It left me with an excitement about my future. I started thinking very seriously about medicine and infectious disease. And it seemed like a great way to pull things together. I developed focus on my studies. I started working out and got really healthy for the first time. And it was a really life-changing moment for me. And I think about it a lot. Wow. Thank you for sharing that really meaningful moment with us, David. And as we're discussing today, not only your journey into medicine, but also your experience deciding which specialties were right for you and maybe having a change halfway through, I want to bring in at this moment a article. Um, This is an article by the AAMC with data from 2017 that nearly 75% of medical students change their specialty preferences during medical school. 20% of residents and 16% of physicians change their specialties to unrelated fields. It's a lot higher than I think I expected. There are a lot of people in training who might be listening and struggling with deciding what specialty is right for them. And I'm really curious to have you share really what factors influence your decision to change residencies and how did you evaluate which residency was right for you? Well, I think, first of all, hearing those statistics, that is incredibly high. And it's also really reassuring. At my time, 40 years ago in medical school, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. I just felt this real press to figure out what I was going to do. And when I got to medicine and medical school, suddenly I found that that clarity of purpose was, I was struggling with it. I couldn't quite figure it out. There were all the preclinical classes in biochemistry and anatomy, and that was interesting, but I was waiting to really get into the clinical experience. And when I did, I found a couple of things. First of all, I wasn't as good at it as I thought I would be. And the second thing was I wasn't finding the affiliation. I wasn't finding myself with people that I really wanted to hang out with and to be with and talk with. And I started to struggle a bit with, you know, my idea of like, yes, I'm going to go into infectious diseases, but I'm very tenacious and stubborn. And unfortunately, I can also be very rigid and I can be risk averse. So I didn't leave myself open to thinking about other things. So I did take note of some of the experiences that I was having, but I didn't really adjust. So internal medicine, when I did it as a two month long rotation, it was okay but it wasn't exciting in the way that I thought it would be. And it was daunting. And I even had a a moment on psychiatry. It was a month long rotation, I think, or maybe six weeks. And I did not like psychiatry. It was working with a lot of psychotic patients. They were in their mid twenties, which was about my age. I didn't have good supervision for my mentors, my supervisors, the residents and attendings where I was. And it scared me. And I just found the whole experience overwhelming, except, and I'll bookmark this, one day, one afternoon when I did a consult, I was assigned to the consult service and I saw a fascinating man with chest pain in his mid-30s. And it was very clear to everyone that this was not coming from a cardiac problem. It was coming from a psychological problem. And it was an amazing experience, but I didn't have anyone to really share it with or talk with. But I do 
look back at that and say, wow, that's, I think a lot of my interest came from there. But again, I didn't pivot. I didn't change. I stuck with my plan. I even did five month stint in the public health service because I knew I wanted to be an epidemiology intelligence service officer. I wanted to go around tracking infectious diseases. And then I started my residency in internal medicine with the goal of finishing up and then doing a fellowship in infectious disease. And my first year of internship was a wake-up call. It was month after month before work hour restrictions. It was 80 or 90 hours or maybe 100 hours sometimes a week of just doing medicine, staying up all night, every fourth night, which was a lot more humane on the West Coast than the every third night that I had come from on the East Coast. And if you add up those hours, there's no time in there to cook, to work out, to do your laundry, even to sleep. And it was exhausting. And the biggest thing that I realized were, well, two realizations. One was, I'm not really enjoying this. This isn't fun. I'm actually kind of bored. We're talking about BUN and creatinine, and I'm not that interested in this. And I was looking at the psychologists and psychiatrists coming down and seeing some of our same patients and working with people who have personality disorders, substance use, all sorts of, you know, problems with feeling suicidal. And I kept thinking what they're doing is really interesting. I wish I was over there with them. The other problem was though, that I was finding that I wasn't good at what I was doing. It was awful. I was working really hard and I was mediocre at best. And I was holding back my team. Uh, each time I would get critical feedback, spending too much time with his patients, interfering with his efficiency. And also the fact that I just, in spite of the fact that I was writing everything down, I couldn't keep everything set in my head. And then I had an amazing transformative month where I happened to be assigned purely by accident. I love this because this talks about, to me, speaks about how much luck can play a role in serendipity. I had one month when I was doing another general medicine month. It was, I think, October or November of my internship year. And I happened to be assigned to work with an intern who was a psychiatry resident, but was spending a month on medicine. And he had worked as a GP for several years and had a wealth of experience. And my R2, my second year resident, was going into neurology, but was double boarding in medicine. And they were both extremely bright, very funny, very warm, very thorough, very incisive. And suddenly our work took on a whole different level of meaning. And I started to really enjoy it. I love the conversations we were having. Our care of patients was much more comprehensive. My second year resident actually found out that one of the patients that we were assigned and had been in the hospital for five months with an unknown diagnosis, uh, swelling in his abdomen. He realized right away that this patient had an altered mental state. He was delirious. And he said, no one has worked this up. We need to figure this out now. We're going to do a whole set of labs and we're going to do a lumbar puncture on this guy. And I was saying, it's Friday afternoon. He said, exactly, we're gonna do it now. It needs to be done. And the results came back and this man had yeast growing in his CSF and in his brain. It turns out he had full-blown AIDS. He had, back then we called it AIDS. He had very advanced HIV. No one had diagnosed him with HIV before. And he had been in the hospital for five months with everyone taking biopsies of his abdomen and trying to figure out what was going on there. And they had missed it. And I realized we were missing things. 
that my resident and my fellow intern, they knew things about the CNS and the, the brain and how it, problems manifested. And suddenly the care of our patients was much, much better. And probably not coincidentally, the teaching of medical students on our service was also really great and really fun. And it was the most fun that I'd had. And they ended up being really important near peer mentors to me because they were the ones who said to me, you know, David, you're clearly not having a good time in medicine. You look like you should be in psychiatry. And it was that moment where I realized, you know, they're right. I, I really am holding myself back from my interests. And I didn't even know that there was this field where psychiatry operated in the medical specialties. That's the field of consultation liaison. And that was my light bulb moment. My light bulb moment happened midway through my internship in medicine. And it was, it was like taking a cold shower. It was bracing and it felt really scary and really good at the same time. And I started to make applications to different programs happen and somehow found the time, even though I didn't have time to eat or do anything else like shower or, or take, to, uh, take my laundry out to the washing machine. But I managed to get an application and I finished out the year and that's when I started in psychiatry. But again, with a very different purpose and very different than infectious disease, except that I was still working with people with infectious diseases, things like HIV was, became a real interest of mine, but it was from a psychiatric perspective. And so I got to straddle both worlds, but fortunately I had that month with them because otherwise I think about where I would have ended up. And I think I probably would have been a pretty mediocre and not terribly happy internal medicine doc right now. I would have had a very different path in life. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think what you described sounds like could, could be a really scary moment to go all the way through medical school, get into residency, you know, match, and then find out, oh no, this isn't the path for me. I'm curious, what was the process like changing residencies? Were there any other important people that mentor you through that difficult change in your career? There were. I think once I got there, there were people like my friend, uh, fellow intern, but they were really waiting for me on the other side once I switched. Unfortunately, a lot of what I got from people that I knew in my life, both the people in my medicine program, as well as some friends and family, most of them actually, they were very discouraging. They encouraged me to stick with my plan. They didn't really think much of psychiatry. They thought I was taking a big step down. And what was, I think, especially interesting about that was, first of all, people weren't really looking after me and my interests. And I, I kind of came to realize that they were looking after their own. They were thinking about themselves, but it was in the guise of thinking about me. So for example, the people in my medicine program, they were losing a number of people from the program. There were a lot of unhappy interns. And I think about three of us left voluntarily out of the 10 interns who started out. And one person was actually asked to leave and I think was made a bit of an example of mid-year and lost credit because he just wasn't working out. It was not a very friendly place. And I have to look back and think, why did I end up there in the first place? I'm not sure. As a psychiatrist, of course, I have to wonder if that was some unconscious desire on my part to find myself in a program that was inhospitable. So I'd have to change and have to realize these things that were lurking around that I didn't want to accept. 
but they were really not interested in having me change out. They wanted me to stay, even though I wasn't that good because it looked bad for the program to have that many people leaving. And then my family, they were 3000 miles away back on the East coast, but they were really alarmed. They were saying, well, psychiatry, why would you want to do that? You should just stick with it. Or maybe you should do something else. Maybe you should become a cardiologist. And I realized that's where I got a lot of my conservative nature, my aversion to risk-taking. And suddenly I felt, again, freed up, but also kind of scared. It's like, I guess I'm really doing this. And if this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? I guess I'm interested in public health, but I've heard you have to do a residency. I mean, I can't just keep floating around like this. But at the same time, I can't go backwards. I can't keep going in medicine when I know that I'm not as good at it as I want and then I'm not as interested in it as I want. I think I have to just follow my gut and do this. The actual process was really easy. There was a spot open right there in that program. They were very glad to have me. And it was really an, an easy matter of just running upstairs a couple of times and interviewing. And they said, okay, you seem okay. We need someone in this spot. Easy solution for us. We'll take you. And that was it or at least that was the beginning. But it wasn't until I got there that I really found other residents who were very welcoming. One clinician, one psychiatrist in particular, who was just wonderful, who'd had incredible experiences as a military psychiatrist, bringing people back, prisoners of war from Hanoi at the end of the Vietnam War. As part of the peace agreement, he was on a plane flying people back with post-traumatic stress disorder and you know, very terrible injuries. And that was the patient population I was working with at the VA. And I had suddenly had really good support for the kind of work that I wanted to do, doing consultation work in medical settings. That was part of the training. And it, it wasn't perfect. I, I should be clear. Some of my training was really deficient, but some of it was really surprising. So for example, I had to do group therapy as a resident and I had to learn it. And I just thought going in, this is ridiculous. No one, this is, this is not helpful to anyone and it's, it's silly. And then I went into it and I found out that group therapy actually was one of the most effective modalities for the, our inpatients, whether they were psychotic, depressed, had bipolar disorder, they all benefited. And the psychologists who were teaching me how to do it really knew their stuff. So it was a real, again, a wake up call and experience to say, stop making so many assumptions. David, thank you so much. Your story of changing your path just brings up so many elements that I think of are related to trust and you're trusting your own feelings. You're trusting that you weren't happy here. You didn't feel comfortable in internal medicine, even though you had put a lot of time into choosing it. And also you're trusting life that maybe life would work out somehow. And you know, taking a leap into another residency is a big deal about trusting that that would somehow work. David, you and I have been working together for many years at San Francisco General Hospital, and you have many roles there. Could you tell us a little bit about how that all turned out after you'd switched over to psychiatry from internal medicine? How did you make your way to San Francisco General, and what are you doing since then? That was easy, easier than I thought, I think. I definitely finished up residency with a clear conviction I wanted to do consultation liaison psychiatry. I wanted to be a psychiatrist in a general medical setting. The question was where? And I saw a lot of different possibilities when I finished. Psychiatry is actually great because there's unfortunately a shortage of psychiatrists out there. So I had a lot of choices. And I looked at places, some of which you know, paid more money 
but I would have had to have worn a suit every day. And it just didn't seem like me. And this time I was thinking more about like, well, who am I and where do I want to be? When I interviewed at San Francisco General, right before I finished residency, I had heard scary stories and I wasn't even thinking of going there, but a friend of mine who I respected a lot was going to take a job. And she said, you should just go in and check it out. And I did. And I interviewed for a consult liaison spot. And I really liked the people that I talked to, including the guy who hired me, Herb. He's still a really close friend. And he was a mentor to me when I started out. And I think I recognized that as I was interviewing. And I really liked the low key nature of the place. I liked the fact that no one was dressing up, but they love taking care of patients. And that was their real mission. And I also love the fact that there was a lot of teaching going on. They wanted to bring me in specifically so that I could help with medical student education. They hadn't had students on the consult service before. And there was a lot I had to learn. I ended up taking on a position where I was part-time working on Ward 5A, which was the HIV, and then what we call the AIDS unit. It's very famous in books like, the, and the band played on. It was really desperate times because it was at a point when I started in 1989, when we could observe and diagnose people with HIV, but we had a hard time treating people. And there were a lot of people who died and I had to really get comfortable with with that. And you never do. I mean, it was always sad, but there was tremendous meaning in the work. And from there, I gradually started to just try to follow what I was really interested in. So that was pretty easy. That was medical student education and just education broadly. So I ended up taking on a big role in that. I got very involved in the ethics committee. And later, thanks to people that, again, were there, people that I was training with, or people that I was training, peers, we were able to find our way collectively to finding the medical humanities as a specialty in a field. And that was also wonderful for me. It has taken me to all these unexpected places in my life. But what I keep thinking about is how the place where I'm in now is great because it brings in all the threads of all the interests I think I've ever had. I mean, I love literature, poetry, fiction, and film. And the medical humanities embraces all of that. And I get to do that. I get to bring that into work, which is just incredibly special. Over the years, I've mentored many students who are just so, it's very challenging and difficult to know how to trust instincts when you're so early in your path. And many of them don't even know what they want to choose as a specialty sort of early in. They're struggling with not knowing. They're struggling with what if I'm wrong about what I've chosen. And again, when, when we're younger in, in our training, we don't really know about trusting the process or trusting ourselves. And I'm wondering what advice do you have for medical students and people in their training early on about their journeying somehow into their answers and finding a way to trust life? Well, you and I go back about 20 years now, Shiva, as colleagues and friends. And as usual, I think you put your finger on the pulse of things. It really is about that trust. And I think some of it is also self-knowledge. You have to trust yourself to learn about yourself and realize that you may not know everything about yourself. There's a Greek story or a philosopher who said that people are either hedgehogs or foxes. And hedgehogs know one thing really, really well. And foxes know a little bit about a lot of things. And I think what I had to realize was that I was not a hedgehog. I was really a fox, but I was trying to make myself into a hedgehog. And it wasn't until I admitted that I had a lot of interests and that 
that's when I realized psychiatry would be a better fit for me. Psychiatry was a place where I could think about philosophy and I could think about psychology and I could still think about medicine. And that was expansive for me, but it took self-knowledge and it was scary because I didn't wanna see that. And I think the other problem is finding the right mentors, the right people who can help you in that way and not just give you answers, but really help you with the questions. And it reminds me of a quote by Rilke. Rilke said, be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and to try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers, which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything, live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. I'm guessing that we both love that poem for the same reasons. And that quote is so wonderful because it says to you, just be patient with yourself and don't try to force these answers. And I think that's what I was trying to do. I was so desperate to have some sort of a path in life that I grabbed onto something and I wouldn't let go. And I think Rilke or a good mentor would have said to me, well, it's been a couple of years. Let's see where you've been. What kinds of things are you interested in thinking about now? What kinds of things are you imagining yourself doing? What sort of discoveries have you had along the way? And then let's think about what field might be suitable for you. I mean, the wonderful thing about medicine is there are so many options and you can choose them at any different point. I mean, how many fields that people go into have that as a possibility? Right? I mean, being in medicine means that you can decide to go into any number of different fields. It also means you can change, you can alter your path along the way. It's become a lot more common now for people to switch residencies. And even past residency, people go back and retrain. We've had people who have been laboratory scientists who have gone back to clinical work. We've had people go from dermatology to psychiatry or vice versa. We even had a couple of people go from psychiatry to emergency medicine. It's all about finding the right path for you. But to find the right path for you, you have to know who you are. And I think that's what I found out so critically. And I think that's the advice that I would give other people too. It's to find good mentors, to ask yourself those questions, just like Rilke says, but find the mentors who are going to help you find that. I had so many would-be mentors along the way who were frankly very self-centered and narcissistic. They wanted to clone themselves and they didn't really take the time to listen to me. They didn't ask me, what are you interested in? They just started to tell me what I should go into. And it was very frequently what the field, exactly the field that they were in at the time. And I guess one bit of advice to pre-medical or medical students or residents is to make sure that your mentors are really curious about who you are, not just within medicine, but who you are as a person. And they're going to help you that way to, as Rilke said, you know, find the answers by living the questions. Thank you so much, David. It's really great to hear your advice to people who may be in the same position that you are in. And it's really important to focus on what is best for you. And I know there can be noise and people discussing prestige and other things, but I think the most important thing is to focus on what's best for you and your interests. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here and 
I've learned a lot actually through this process of thinking about what I was going to talk about today and especially your questions. And I think we're all still on that path. I'm still growing and changing and I hope our listeners will be inspired by some of what we shared today because it is a difficult journey. And a lot of us, I think we realize we're doing it alone and we're not alone. There are other people out there. There are so many people struggling with these same questions. And I hope that everyone out there finds people to talk to. There are a lot of us out there too to bond with and to help people find each other and find our best way forward. You are a wonderful example. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, David Elkin. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for tuning in today and allowing us to be one of your meaningful moments. Please rate, review, and subscribe and share with friends, family, and colleagues. Meaningful Medicine was produced by Shiva Kayambashi, Nicole Hohenstein, David Elkin, and Catherine Chan. Editing by Nicole Hohenstein. Intro and closing by Daniel Wentling. On Meaningful Medicine, we are careful to ensure that all stories are compliant with healthcare privacy laws and details may have been changed to ensure patient confidentiality. All views expressed are of the person speaking and not their employer. Thank you.